Blog Talk Radio. about refereeing right now. <laughs> Dude, I am so fellas, I know you're as happy as I am or even happier to have the NBA back. Remember we about during the time when we were chronicling like the um the 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 the, uh, the uh, last dance series on ESPN, we doubted that we would have a restart. 
We doubted yes, we did. that we would be able to see how this season would finish. But lo and behold, here we are. And I must say, ref, such, like a suspect officiating uh, aside, um, the play has been great. The flow has been great. I, I really can't find much to complain about. Uh, I'm just so damn happy to have the NBA back. Jared, I know you called me the other night to to just wax for it about the NBA and just about the officiating as well. Um, so <laughs> I'll start with you, Jared. So aside from the bad officiating, what, what are your thoughts on the NBA restart? Uh, anything that stuck out to you uh, as far as anything being noteworthy? Or just you just um, have to have it back? Just basketball. I don't really care at this point. Yeah. You could have given me 1990s quality basketball or mid-2000s slugfest between the Spurs and the Detroit Pistons, and I would have been chomping at the bit to get to it. It's just nice to have it. But that being said, like you said, the teams – most of the teams seem to be coalescing well. The ball's moving. It's not not iso ball, and there's a sense of urgency with every team, and you can see it. It's it's rather nice. Everything's been – Better than advertised. The virtual fans, I'm neither here nor there on. Maybe that can get better as we go along. But everything, the presentation's great. The the camera angles are fantastic, whether you're watching it on TNT or NBA TV, whatever. It's I have nothing to complain about. Yeah, I mean, it looks like a video game. As far as the, the camera layout and floor has been great. And to your point, Jared, it's the sense of urgency is obviously there. I mean, even though most of the teams are playing for seeding, but you, but it still, it, in addition to the teams battle out for the eight seed in both conferences, it's been playoff-like basketball. I mean, it's been every team I say has taken it really seriously. It's great to see a sense of urgency because you're right there at the finish line, and those teams are about not only like seedings, but for the most part like making statements, you know what I'm saying? Like um, the statement that OKC is putting on the Lakers right now. I mean, my goodness. <laughs> so, well, even the teams um, that are out of it, like Washington and all that, they're they're playing hard and, and they're putting players that are getting experience in a playoff atmosphere because let's, let's be honest with ourselves, the intensity in all of these games, except for maybe like Milwaukee sitting Giannis for the last half of a game or something like that, which – you're going to have that. They're the number one seed and they're locked in there. It's, it's, you might as well just uh, <coughs> enjoy, enjoy what's been there. But the, but like the Suns and all that, the Suns are three and oh, and they're playing guys that just need this experience. Yeah. I mean, the Suns have been playing really well. Devin Booker, I know he's a talented scorer, but he has been that dude. He has been. Oh, my goodness. I mean, I don't watch him much. He's toiling around in Phoenix. And Phoenix is not real TV, all that hell of a a bunch. But, my God, man, that dude can just ball. I mean, that game winner, he hit over both uh, uh, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. That's the stuff of letters, dude. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'll just chime in here and say, yeah, Devin Booker has definitely solidified himself as as a star in this league, I think that's one thing that's kind of stood out for me is, uh, is certain guys getting highlighted that uh, maybe haven't as much to this point in their careers. Devin Booker, because he plays on a bad team out West. Scott, you mentioned not getting to see him as much, um, getting to see him. 
uh, getting to see uh, that uh, T.J. Warren is the best basketball player in the world when no fans are in the stands, um, and right. how he's right. going off, his, him dropping 53 against Philadelphia the other night. Um, oh. I think uh, that's been interesting to see. I will say this, as far as teams giving it all, I completely agree with you guys for most teams. Uh, the Lakers, I've been watching most of this game tonight, uh, and they go as their two their two stars go, and they've slept walk through this game. I think LeBron is, uh, for me, you guys know I'm a huge LeBron fanboy and all that. Uh, outside of that yep. uh, first game against the Clippers, I think he's really taken a little bit to get his two legs under him, uh, which is, you know, I mean, he's still Fine. putting up. Yeah, he's still, yeah, he's still, you know, Five years one old. of the best players on his team. <laughs> But, um, uh, you know, Anthony Davis had five fouls, I think, early in the third tonight. So, I think they they locked up the one seed the other day, and I feel like they kind of – they've slept walk through this game a little bit. Right. Yeah. I mean, mean, to your point, Kevin, I mean, it's – you know, I kind of forgot that the Lakers wrapped up the top seed in the West, so that's my bad. But, I mean, they're still playing hard. Obviously, right. I mean, they're getting mm-hmm. more people playing time. They're playing their butts off. Uh, I know that uh, I saw um, uh, what's his name came over from the Heat. Um, I forget his name, but in any way, he, he had he had a couple of big shots. Uh, oh, shots waiters, yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So he yeah. So so he's doing well. I just this this caused me to not be able to wait for the playoffs. I can't wait for the playoffs to start. I mean, you got four mm-hmm. limbs on the wall. I mean. Hell, if Portland's right, they got not only, of course, Dame Dillard, <laughs> Dame Little rather, and uh, CJ, but and and, and 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 the big man. But how about Skinny Mellow? Skinny Mellow. How about yeah, Skinny Mellow? I mean, I'm, looking, Mello, I'm gonna say, I mean, Hoodie Mellow shows up in the summertime, right? This is the perfect time of year for yeah. Hoodie Mellow. <laughs> now you got Skinny Mellow <laughs> out there, but I mean. I'm, 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 you know, he go. I mean, you guys know I'm a sad Knicks fan, but I will always, forever love Carmelo Anthony. He wanted to go, go. He wanted to come to the Knicks. He wanted to stay with the Knicks. Um, mm-hmm. And of course, that bad leadership starting from James Dolan and Phil, Phil Jackson. I mean, that I, I still have nightmares about that. But it's good to see <laughs> Melo still balling, even though the analytics mm-hmm. try to keep us in NBA for some reason. But the guy can still ball. And he's not mm-hmm. a ball stopper as much as he used to be. I mean, he's flowing pretty well with this players team. But I think, Jerry, you're about to say something. Oh, I was just about okay. to say, like, this this version of Carmelo Anthony is the Carmelo Anthony that people have been asking for for four years now. It's Olympic yeah. Mellow. It's, post, it's spot up in the corner, take the shots when you need to take the shots. And you know what? Honestly, he's a third banana, and that's the best place for him to be. Yeah, it really is. It, it's it's he doesn't stop the ball. Now that he's gotten over, that he's got to be a starter or this or that. Now that he's accepted his role as a, you know a a role player in the league. How many more years does Melo have if he if he continues to play like this? Four, five, six, and he was almost out of the league. I know. Wasn't that crazy? He was almost out mm-hmm. of the league, and he's just. He's just falling out. He's playing well. It's great to see that. It's awesome to see that, actually. And it's awesome for the for the Blazers. But let me ask you this, uh, Kevin. Um, mm-hmm. This has been a question that's going around that's debated about social media most of the day and on talk shows. 
would the Blazers be a scarier matchup for the Lakers as opposed to the Pelicans or the, the uh, Grizzlies at this point? And, and, and Jared, I'm going to throw the same question back to you as well. I, I Kevin, would you like say, to go first? Oh, Yeah, for sure. I would definitely say that the the Blazers would be scarier at this point, definitely than the Grizzlies. Uh, the Grizzlies played a good game uh, earlier today against the Jazz. I don't know if you guys I, – I watched some highlights on that on Twitter. I, I don't have NBA TV, so I couldn't watch it. But um, both teams were wearing their retro jerseys, and I was like, man, this got to be in prime time. you got the Memphis Grizzlies retro jerseys and Utah Jazz retro jerseys. But uh, I digress. Um, I know uh, Jan Jackson just got hurt um, for Memphis. He's out for the rest of the yeah. rest of um, the bubble. And so that really hurts them. And I think, I think what are they? Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong. I think they're zero and four now, or something in the bubble. They're still yeah, barely they're holding on to that, barely holding on to that that final spot. But um, I I just think they're they're too weak now uh, with Jackson's injury uh, to be able to to hold on to that. Especially if we get that little mini playoff, which it looks like we will for the eighth seed. And um, you know the Blazers between Lillard, McCollum. Um, you know, doing their thing and, and having Melo um, starting to show up the way he is. I, I think they're a lot scarier for this Lakers team. Uh, for the Lakers, I, it's what I said earlier, their two guys have to show up, and I think all their role players really follow suit. Um, it's, it's been cool to watch them when when they're on uh, because it's like, it reminded me of the last dance. It reminded me of those Bulls role players ascending their level of play to, to Jordan's greatness and you know, the Lakers player, he's just doing that for for LeBron and, and for AD, you know. Um, but I do think that it would be a really scary matchup for them because I think theoretically on paper, once you get past uh, that two-headed monster that the Lakers have, I think the Blazers probably have a better roster. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, I'm laughing. just laughing because I'm, I'm laughing not at you, Kevin, because me and uh-huh. – me and Scott had this conversation the other day. There is a path for the Portland Trailblazers to get into the finals with only really yeah. having to go through oh, oh. one L.A. team. So that'd be far-fetched, but something that could, could feasibly happen. And, mm-hmm. and if there's going to be an upset, I don't think there's really a more prime team to do set upsetting than would be Portland because they're – Last season, they're in the Western Conference Finals. Now, how they got swept out by a Durantless Warriors team, but still, they didn't have their their center, who they have now. Who, by the way, Yusuf Nurkic looks great. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there there's a there is a world where they win that they get the ninth seed, they beat Memphis twice, and then they got to play the Lakers in the first round and. I mean, Damon, CJ go off, and Carmelo does Carmelo-type things. Yusuf Nurkic said Anthony Davis can't handle him, and Nurkic can somewhat a little bit slow down Anthony Davis. They managed this week out four and seven against the Lakers, and then on the other side of the bracket, maybe Houston was able to knock out the Clippers, and I would take Portland over Houston. So it's just it, it, there's a world, crazy world, but there's a world. <laughs> but you know what? This this crazy this crazy ass uh, sports like like sports circumstances that that COVID nineteen put all professional sports in. You never know. I will say that. Uh, <laughs> but I'll say this though. I, I 
I would love to, for Portland to get the eight seed. I mean, because I'm thinking about the storyline, Jimmy Mello versus LeBron, Dame Lillard, you know, mm-hmm. CJ McCombs take that backcourt. I don't think the Lakers backcourt can defend that. That would be a bad matchup for the Lakers, in my opinion. Um, Not without Avery think, Bradley, they can't. Especially without a- Avery Bradley. Um, mm-hmm. AD, he's a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a good matchup over Portland's big name. I forget his name. Um, but, yeah, this would be a great – this would be a fun season. I, I could easily see Portland taking two games from, like, from the Lakers in the best of seven. Uh, I'm hoping for a best of five to go old school. You do best of five, but that's just me. But I, I say they could get two games if it's the best of seven off the Lakers easily. I mean, I, I it, it's not it's not it won't be the best matchup like for the Lakers, at least from the backcourt point of view. I don't know, uh, Kevin, you agree with that or not? But um, that, that that's what I'm thinking. Oh no, I, yeah, I definitely think I definitely think that the the Blazers backcourt would. I mean, would completely be the Lakers would be completely outmatched against Lillard and McCollum. I mean, I just watched Quinn Cook shoot a layup that went off the wrong side of the backboard. So, <laughs> oh, God. oh man, uh, it's the dark. But yeah, I mean, I mean, it's 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 I think it'll be a most exciting matchup because let's face it. I think a lot of sports fans want to see Zion and the, the Pelicans against the Lakers. I think though that would be a sweep, gentleman sweep at worst. At, I mean, I should say at best. I think it's not going more than four or five games in the best of seven. And I think with the Grizzlies, though, that'd be a straight sweep. So I think the more exciting matchup mm-hmm. uh, there would be definitely your Blazers that you are kind of pulling for. I think. Well, I mean, speaking of yeah. New Orleans, if you've watched any of their games, you just can see a team that doesn't know how to win. They're a team that has the talent to do it, but they just don't know how to. And they're right. so young right now, too. And I think that's, I mean, a, that's, that's another advantage yeah. for Portland. Yeah, you're yeah, right. Go ahead. It's, it's a been there, it's a been there, done there, been there, done that kind of thing for Portland. Yeah. So, I mean, speaking of teams, let's just let's let's just dive deeper into the, the restart. I mean. You've got Milwaukee, of course, they clinched the overall top seed. So they're, they're kind of coasting right now. They're resting players. Um, yeah, and they've lost to the uh, G League All Star Nets team. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, but I, I, the team I'm watching, keeping an eye on, I picked Boston, but Boston would be a bad, Milwaukee would be a bad, bad, bad matchup for Boston because Boston's not that big. And that's shown mm-hmm. against the, 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 uh, the Jimmy Butler left. And that Heat team scares the hell out of me, guys. If I'm an Eastern Conference fan, of like if I'm a Boston fan, or if I'm a, if I'm a Bucks fan here, because they're tough. Jimmy Butler brings that toughness to the team. Of course, they're well coached by uh, by by, by, by um, and well run by Pat Riley. But that is that is one team I'm keeping my eye on on in the. Uh, Jared, like um, I think you mentioned some about, I think you mentioned Boston and Toronto in the past. We'll talk about Toronto in a minute, but but what are your impressions of the Miami Heat, Jared, at this point? The Miami Heat are everything you just said. Uh, they're well coached. Jimmy Butler's having a down year from the floor. Bam Adebayo's not like a 
he's not what you would call a shooter. He kind of plays elbows in, which is fine because they're the lineups that they've been playing so far in the bubble have been uh, at a bio at center, and that has bode very well for them. They're just they're they're the kind of team that's going to rely on three point shooting from their role players. In a normal season, right. that's an issue because role players don't necessarily perform as well on the road. But there's right. no road this year, so that could you know. Like you said, anything's really in play with this because we just don't know how everything's going to go. This is so unprecedented. But Miami's another team in the East that there's a way for them to get to the finals, and it's not all that unplausible. Right. I mean, because at this point, they're they're like how many games behind Boston for the search for the three state like a game and a half, I think, at this point. So, and unfortunately, Boston so, don't look like they're playing well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're coaching, but I mean, I say that I asked that question because I think Miami, if they keep, I think the Boston playing right now against the G League Nets, to quote Kevin, um, <laughs> but, uh, they just get basket to some dude uh, <laughs> on the Nets. Um, but the point is, is that I think. I think my I think the guy watch Tony teams had to watch, watch out for Miami Kevin because they are tough they're hot right now they I think they lost one game did they I think they lost one game in the bubble so far if I'm not mistaken but they've been playing well and once they get Jimmy Butler back healthy they're going to be hella fun to watch oh yeah for sure I mean you look what they did yesterday getting a six point win uh, against a, a really good Celtic team uh, without Butler and. You get him back, and I um, just to speak to the makeup of the team. I, you, you just got a lot of uh, blue collar, uh, hard nosed, hard working guys. I feel like that's kind of the the identity of the team. And uh, hear my son in the background there. Um, and no, uh, and I think that. Uh, oh yeah, that's fine. Uh, but I, I think that uh, I think that that kind of mirrors, you know, Jimmy Butler, even though he hasn't been there. And I think that was kind of. Maybe uh, that mentality didn't work out for for Jimmy with the guys like Andrew Wiggins in Minnesota, but he's really landed in a perfect situation in Miami because uh, you look at just up and down the roster, guys like Jay Crowder, guys like Bam uh, Adebayo. I mean, um, even even uh, you know Iggy giving you some minutes and and uh, and Goran Dragic, just guys that guys that are just effort players um, that play hard, and I think that that's going to benefit them in a bubble situation. You know, Jared talking about there's no real home court advantage. So when you got guys that, that just go out there and uh, you know play with the chip on their shoulder every night, they're gonna uh, they might they might make some noise. I mean, they one thing that the thing that didn't work out in Minnesota is that Cat will car to the town. The wings they're soft to be put blunt. Mm-hmm. They're, they're soft players. They don't. They're not tough. They don't know how to win. And that frustrated the hell out of I think. Butler, I don't know Hating if you guys on Jeff Teague. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, no, but I'm focusing on Wiggins and Cat. Those two guys are so I know, I'm, I'm not, just I'm messing around. Yeah, yeah, but, I mean, Teague is tough compared to those two clowns. But the point is, it's right that, that I, like, uh, when um, his last year in Minnesota, Jimmy Butler's last year in Minnesota, when he apparently took a team to backup and beat down the starters, in a, in like a, in a Minnesota scrimmage, 
And right. he just basically just out bunch of towns and <laughs> for, for doing so. I mean, because he questioned their heart. He questioned their toughness. So, in Miami, to Kevin's point, there's no need for that. They, those guys are straight up tough. I mean, another team to watch for, I think, is Indiana. I mean, like, because Kevin mentioned earlier, um, T.J. Warren, 53 points and 30 points the other night. Are you kidding me? That dude just came out of nowhere. I mean, I remember – I mean, I'm an NC State alum, right? And he played at NC State. And he was good at NC State, but I didn't think he would be this good. You know what I'm saying? So, I, I – um, I mean, a play, T.J. Warren, I think that the ceiling would be high for, like, for the Pacers, Jared. I <laughs> – I don't. Guy. I don't foresee. Yeah, I know. <laughs> he was wanting to jump. Don't on, you love on being a dad? Laptop. Yep, I do. <laughs> yeah, we all do. He's not long for bed. <laughs> right. Um, but about the Pacers, like they're. Uh, I, I don't foresee T.J. Warren shooting. T.J. Warren shooting sixty percent from three for the rest of the bubble. You know, sure. that's the only. I hate to be Debbie Downer on it, but that's just that's just the case. Right. You know what I mean? Because you're you're not going to keep up mm-hmm. that hot of shooting, but it's fun to watch mm-hmm. while they have it. And let's say he regresses even higher than what his normal his normal output is, which is on five threes a game, shooting about forty percent. Say he bumps that up to forty five percent over seven threes a game, then you're talking about somebody that was putting that's putting up the similar numbers, just counting numbers to what Paul George was putting up. And you pair and you pair that with Victor Oladipo and that could be scary, especially when you have a tough team like the Pacers that just kinda wanna grit grind and, you know, kinda run through you, but not having their all star forward Demontis Sabonis kinda hurts as well. Yeah. And yeah, that 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 was a huge injury. Um that that, that really hurt the depth. I mean, they're still like similar to Miami. They are tough. They're well coached, mm-hmm. and they will not give up any. They 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 won't give up easily. And, and check this out, guys. I think Indiana's like fifth behind Miami right now. Would it be given the spice between these two teams? I remember that near brawl that took place in the regular season before the stoppage between Warren and Butler, and in in in, in, uh, in uh, Indianapolis where. Butler blew him a kiss. <laughs> Got ejected. <laughs> so that that would be awesome if they first up in the first round because they don't like each other anyway, and, <laughs> and that would be that would just bring some spice to the first round, Kevin. And if, if I was a if I if, if I was like predicting things, and it, and it may oh, look no. like it stay that way if Boston keeps playing, okay. Yeah, no, and I agree. And just to to jump in on the Indiana conversation, I feel like I feel like the Pacers are almost like I don't know. You guys know that movie, the, uh, A Star Is Born. At least the title of it. I feel like the Pacers are, are have been that team the last few years, like where there's just some star born every year. That yeah, they were good like somewhere else, but then they go to the Pacers and uh, you know they 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 take their game to the next level. Uh, so credit to the coaching staff there because we saw it with Oladipo and Sabonis, and now we're seeing it in the bubble. Uh, with with T.J. Warren and, and what he's been doing, 
Um, so they've got an exciting, exciting player, a couple players. Um, it'll be interesting to, interesting to see what happens for sure with him. Well, let me ask y'all this. And I, and I forgot to mention this. We we're talking about the Western conference. Um, like um, speaking of two guys who don't like each other, Dame Lillard and Russell Westbrook, like they played on the night, one and one. Of course, uh, uh, Harden had a didn't have a great shooter night. Um, it's interesting to see. It's always interesting to see Lillard and Russ go at each other because those two guys really don't like each other. <laughs> it started from years past. Um, like. I can't forget, like, last year's playoffs when Lillard hit, hit that walk-off three-pointer to, to eliminate the uh, the uh, Thunder, and just he just waved goodbye to him at the same time, which I think was probably the most awesome walk-off shot decided <laughs> Michael Jordan's game winner over Utah in the finals. Um, but Connor Cowherd, love or hate him, <laughs> uh, he um, – <laughs> He, he made a case for taking Dame Lillard over Russell Westbrook in the sense that, you know, he, he thinks that Lillard's easier to play with. He, he, I mean, they're both tough as nails. But, I mean, just just, just like just from the standpoint that Lillard has done well, has done better than uh, Westbrook as, with Westbrook in the playoffs, on the team in the playoffs as, as, as Lillard. But, uh, uh, Jerry, what are your thoughts? Like, do you, would you take Lillard? Or Westbrook, or you just don't give a damn about the rest of them. And just glad. No, I'm I'll not. take Lillard. No, no, yeah. no. I'll take Lillard every time. Lillard can shoot the three. He plays more team-friendly defense. I'm not saying he's necessarily a better defender because neither of them are really what you would call good defenders. But as a team concept on defense, if you watch, Dame Lillard doesn't hurt you in the team. Defense, where Russell Westbrook does because he gambles and does his own thing. So, yeah, he gets more steals and more of the, the, the glory looks and stuff like that. But as a as as a team player and a team defender, I would rather have I'd, – I'd rather have Dame Lillard, especially if I can get 80% of the production that Westbrook gives you on drives. But Lillard can shoot the ball. Logo Lillard for a reason. So, I, I would rather have the guy that can shoot. And I, yeah, I, I think I'm, you know, consensus with with Jared on this one. Um, I mean, you look over the course of their careers. Uh, well, you know, I mean, you can just look at this year and Lillard shooting 14% higher from from three point percentage. Uh, that's a significant margin. Um, and then I, I would say one thing that Westbrook maybe would have had an advantage of up until this point in his career, and I think um, is is as being a facilitator and, but Lillard's really raised the bar this year. He's got a career high eight assists a game this year. Um, so I think as far as who would I rather have as my point guard, I would, I would definitely go with Damon Lillard at this point. I think Westbrook, when you look at his numbers, I mean, he's traditionally been a pretty bad three point shooter. Um, or <laughs> mediocre. I mean, he's right around 30% for his career this year. He's shooting at 25. I don't know if that's, you know, the, the trying to fit in with Harden effect, maybe a little bit on him. Um, but I think overall, uh, just out of pure efficiency and, and I'd, I'd go with Lillard. Well, speaking of Houston, 
that's the team that can shoot themselves in and out ball games. But they're, but one thing I know is about them is the grit. I mean, they they came from behind against uh, uh, Milwaukee. I mean, they stayed in games. They didn't. They haven't quit, and they're going to be a tough out in the playoffs. I think they're. Mm-hmm. I think Houston the sixth hole right now. Is that a, are they the sixteenth right yes. right now? I don't have to say. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Cool. Yep. As you so, speak. Yep. So basically, like that's a scary match. I think for teams, especially like the Clippers, we'll get to them in a minute. But um, I'm just I'm just. As much as I like Houston, I like their story. Their coach can't mm-hmm. create coach a work for like a defense, but I love their story. But they don't have they, they don't have a guy. They, their average height is six six. I mean, I don't. Their tallest right. guy. I don't think the tallest guy is taller than six nine. So I, I think the lack of size will work against them. They've been out rebounding almost every game played at this point, but they've been winning. But I mean, that's 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 an interesting message. So. Um, Kevin, do you, do you, would you be scared to face – we more afraid to face Houston or a team like a stud like, like, like Luka Doncic, who's just balling out of control? Oh, man. Yeah, that's, that's a tough one because, I mean, he had that insane, what, 30-20 was it 30-20-10 or game the other yeah. night. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah. so, um, I don't know. I think – in the playoffs right now, um, despite, you know, them only being in the sixth seed and despite <laughs> Westbrook and Harden, I think, still working working out them being a duo here and the, still being their first year together and, um, and trying to figure out how to fit those two pieces together. I think right now I'm going to say I would be more scared to face Houston. Um, this, they do have a lack of size, but, you know, they do have some, I mean, some dogs down low, like P.J. Tucker, Robert Covington, guys that are just going to, you know, scrap. Yeah, you know, like uh, for people from Cincinnati, they remember those Bob Huggins teams never had a guy that was over 6'6", a lot of time, like Eric Hicks, you know, but they they could get the boards just by being being tough down low. And I think, uh, and those two guys are tough. And and so I think that helps uh, negate some of that. Um, I just, when you asked me that question, Scott, I immediately thought of uh, that that game, the two played, and that that rebound Covington had late, and it seemed like even though Luca had played such a beautiful game, it seemed like he was almost trying to match Harden at the end of the game, and almost trying to force too much, and he ended up fouling out, and Houston uh, won the game in overtime. Um, and so I think about, I, I don't know why I go to that game and why. I, I probably shouldn't place so much significance on it, but I think personally, uh, for me, I would just right now, based on experience, be more worried about facing Harden and Westbrook at this point than facing Luca. What's the take, Jared? Houston randomizes the game. That's that's the best way I can explain it. With the fact that they're going to shoot threes at just an alarming rate. If they hit them, they're going to win, and if they don't hit them, they're not going to win because they're not going to rebound, and they don't really have anybody that can that that can stop any big man. I mean, granted, P.J. Tucker can be a dog all he wants, but being a dog only goes so far against a guy like Nikola Jokic. 
or right. to an extent, right. Christoph Porzingis, when he wants to work in the post, he's actually a very, very, very good post player. I wish he did it more, but he wants to pick and pop, so that's you know that's fine. Do, do whatever to each his own. But it's the, the the biggest thing with Houston is the fact that they all shoot. No, not they all, but they shoot so many threes. It's just such a. It just introduces so much random to the game that if there's a team that you want to be scared of on a nightly, that you're going to be scared of on a nightly basis, it's the Houston Rockets. Um, As far as being scarier than Dallas in a series in seven games, I'd be more afraid to see Dallas because I feel like they're just a better team all around. Whereas with Houston, it's, it's a game today. It's a game to game. So it's really micro worry versus macro worry. So Mm. I, I kind of feel like I'm taking both sides here, but if you're if you're telling me gun to my head, who am I more worried about? I would have to go with Dallas. Oh, interesting. Dallas is more talented. I mean, they they I mean, I mean they I mean aside of uh, I mean I know Houston guy has Russ and, and Harden, but to me Dallas is more talented. The better the better the better coached by Rick Carlisle, who doesn't get enough credit seemingly every year for the great job that he's been doing there. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, I I like Dallas a lot, and it pains me as a Knicks fan to see three guys that we gave <laughs> that we traded away to Dallas doing well right now: Christoph Porzingis, uh, 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 Tim Hardaway Jr., mm-hmm. and I forget the other guy. Um, oh, um, Trey Trey Burke Trey Burke. Those three guys we we gave away. We said, here, Dallas, we don't know how to use them. We can't have them. I mean, it's just, oh, that's just, it's, it's hard to be the Knicks fan. It's almost, it's almost, it's almost suicidal. It's almost suicidal. Don't be mad at hey, Don't be mad at the guys, man. Be happy to I'm see them. Be happy to see I them succeeding them. because that's, that's not their fault. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not mad at the guys. The guys can ball. I love them. I love them when they were in New York. I just hate our owner, and and, and our front <laughs> office don't know what the hell they're doing either. So, that, that's welcome to the life of a Bengals <laughs> fan. Well, to be fair, you're right. Touche. You're right. <laughs> Touche. You guys are right. Uh, one last thing before we get to our predictions, right quick. I want to touch upon Michael Porter Jr.'s play. The dude scored thirty the other night. Well, thirty tonight, I should say, against the Spurs. And he threw a score over 30 points the other night. I mean, this dude, you talk about, uh, Kevin was talking about stars, the stars born, uh, stars born. This guy is, this is coming out part right here, Michael Porter Jr. I mean, he was, he, he was, he was, he was much better who coming out of high school when he went to Missouri, but his, he had mm-hmm. back issues that caused him only to play maybe three games in college. And he got drafted, which caused him to fall in the draft, the 15th. So he had a luxury of, not being rushed, being part of already a, a loaded team in Denver, but now he's I mean, with, with like two uh, uh, injury to Jamal, uh, I forget his last name, uh, the point star point guard. Yeah, Jamal Murray. He's been playing. He's getting more playing time. And dude, I mean, they got him listed as a power four, but he's a six foot ten inch guy who could shoot the three, put the ball on the floor, go inside on you, and could hit a free throw. This kid is a stud. He is a, I'm happy for him. He worked his way back from injuries. And I don't know about you, Kevin, but the sky's the limit with this kid. 
Yeah, and um, Scott, I've actually I've been excited about him for a while. Jared probably remembers. Jared probably actually has the audio on a uh, flash drive or his computer somewhere back when uh, we were doing weekend adjustments a few years ago when the Nuggets drafted him. And uh, you know, I this whole whole theory back then that I thought the Nuggets were the sleeping giant in the West and that they were the future Warriors. And I was trying to uh, match up player comparisons, you know, Jamal Murray's a poor man, Curry and uh, uh, Gary Harris is, you know, poor man's Clay Thompson and, you know, Nurkic and the, but they didn't have a Durant. So when they drafted him, I, I was like, man, this is a great boomer bust guy because if this guy works out, he's their Durant. He's that six ten small four that can, can do everything for you. And um, I hope he stays healthy because um, he was, when he, like you said, coming in Missouri and he had the injury, he was still highly touted and never, we never got to see that in college due to injuries. And then um, really was rehabbing early in his, his career. And so it's awesome to see um, all that talent that everyone years ago thought this kid have um, finally getting to be put on display like it has uh, so far in the bubble the other night when he, when he had his, his uh, 30 point game and, we had 37 and 12, I think, one night, and 30 and 15 or something. But um, so, it's, yeah, it's, I think it's a great story. And if if he stays healthy and if this works out, um, as much as we're going to continue to talk about LeBron and AD and Kawhi and Paul George and when the Warriors get healthy, um, you know, this Nuggets team is, is not going to go away if they stay fully healthy with, with Murray and now, you know, uh, Nurkic or um, – <laughs> Uh, sorry, did I, I said the wrong name. Uh, and then in Porter, Jokic. but uh, thank you, Jokic. Nurkic used to be there. He got traded to the Blazers. Thanks, Jared. You are so, welcome. Yeah, yeah, it's exciting. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, how, so how about you, Jared? Like, um, I, I know you have a, you mentioned the conversation. Kevin mentioned the conversation y'all had a few years ago when Porter was drafted. I still been, have those receipts, Kevin. Looked up in your eyes. Nice, nice. Was that, Very nice. Um, I like, I liked Michael Porter Jr. being drafted where he was, because like Kevin said, it was the ultimate boomer bust, but Denver, Denver didn't need to take him at that point. But at at the point that they took him, it was one of those, you, you do it because if this hits, you just pick up a top two, three draft pick at number, whatever they took him at 15, I think it was, or something like that. Yeah. It's, uh. I love seeing what he's doing. He's, it seems like his game's kind of coming to form now that he's been off of the – that he seems to have kicked the injury bug. I don't. I mean, obviously we need more time to fully establish whether he's gotten gotten over it all or not, but he's, he's playing very well. And it's, it's nice to see because you hate to see a kid be as highly touted as he is and then fall through no fault of his own. And having right. a back problem, I feel like, is no fault of your own. So right. to see him, to see to see him being successful and making shots and and shooting the three much better than I thought than, than I really thought he could, it could be pretty scary for the Western Conference. Like like Kevin was saying, the Clippers and the Lakers. The, the thing with me is the Clippers and the Lakers. This could be a two or three year thing for them. You know, because sure. Paul George and Kawhi Leonard Leonard only signed uh, – they really only signed uh, two-year contracts. I mean, yeah, it was announced as a four, 
but there are opt-outs after two years. So the right. Clippers and the Lakers could both be done with this very soon. And what does that leave? That leaves Denver, who's just stacked from top to bottom. So what Kevin was saying about them being Warriors 2.0, I don't think they're going to be that good. But there's absolutely no reason they can't make some noise and maybe make a finals a finals run or a couple of Western Conference finals run, something like some, something of the sort. And and all right. of that being being brought about by having a six ten wing player who can shoot, drive the ball, put the ball on the ground, playmaking totally isn't quite what you want it to be, but it can definitely improve. That's one of those things that can be improved upon. So Michael Porter Jr. Right. could be a very scary player, or he could be Brandon Roy all over again and a ticking time bomb with injuries. Yeah, which let's let's hope. I mean, that's such a sad story of Brandon Roy. That's I remember him, man, in college when he came in the first oh, in Portland. It's just so sad. It's God is one mm-hmm. of the sport, ultimate players. Him and like Grant Hill and a host of others. I mean, the ultimate players in sports where they stayed healthy. You know what would have meant for their careers and their teams, respective teams. Mm-hmm. Like uh, you know, you know, Portland would have been far better off, obviously. But I'm thinking about Grant Hill when he was in Orlando as a free agent with Tracy McGrady back in the day. Imagine those two. <laughs> so you know, it's just ultimate what if in sports. I mean, you hate to see it, right? But uh, let's let's just make predictions, Kevin. You go first. Um, who you got in the East and the West? In the finals. Yeah. uh, Oh, man. Um, It's so hard to pick against the one seeds for me right now, even though the Lakers, the two games, the game against the Raptors where they fell asleep and then the game tonight where they fell asleep was disappointing. Um, I've been saying Lakers in the West all year. I'm going to stick with that just because in this, like, AAU-type format uh, tournament atmosphere, I feel like when – uh, the lights are going to shine the brightest. Um, I feel like LeBron and AD, um, I just, I'm not going to bet against that pair uh, this year. Even at the end of tonight's game, you saw them on the end of the, in the, end of the bench, and they were laughing. Like, they didn't care that they lost tonight. And um, I think they, they, they're planning for bigger things ahead. And um, As far as the East, that's, that's so tough. Um, I, I kind of feel – I, I kind of I kind of want to be crazy and, and go Toronto and I and don't I know that, because I don't don't do it don't do oh are you doing like <laughs> I'm sorry I don't want to take your thunder Jared um there's a part of me that wants to go with with Giannis but then there's this part of me that's just watching the Raptors play against the Lakers the other night and and just seeing how I just feel like this team they have everything they have shooting uh, Lowry is is such a great leader as far as just being that that great veteran uh, point guard that just, you know, has no quit. He just, he, he has a desire to win. Maybe he is, he, maybe he's not even a top 10 talented point guard in terms of raw talent, but he just, he gives everything uh, out there. And uh, Siakam is, has turned into uh, a star in his own right. And as much as, you know, they needed Kawhi last year, I'm not so sure they need him this year uh, to, to get through the East. So I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go there. If anything, now just to, to, to spite Jared's take. <laughs> uh, Kevin, that's, that's right, you said everything that I was gonna touch on. Like honestly, really? every everything you said just matches what I had had to say. 
The only thing I will add to it is the mix of what Mark Gasol has provided that team is just the the not not only the leadership but the 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 talking on defense and it's not just his individual defense it's getting everybody set and the communication it all goes through him and the fact that Nick Nurse is comfortable throwing a box in two and then throwing a three two zone then a two three zone then going man to man then splitting here there and everywhere during a game I, watching them dismantle the Lakers and give Anthony Davis next to nothing with nobody that can really just face up and guard him. I mean, if you want to say, if you want to say Serge can slow him down, okay. If you want to say the same about Marcus all again, okay. But it's a team thing to slow down an Anthony Davis and LeBron James led team and you'll watch them do it. So what makes you think right. that they can't, they can't do the same thing to a, Gian- a Giannis and Chris Middleton-led Bucks team. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, right. I got you. So basically, what I'm hearing is, I'm hearing Lakers and Raptors. Is that the pick? Uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's my pick right now. Okay. Right, as of right Jared, now, I'm gonna go. As of right now, I'm gonna go Lakers and Raptors too. I I just can't. The, the Clippers haven't coalesced the way you wanted them to, and maybe right. I'm just ignorant, and they'll be able to flip a switch. But I watched LeBron James led LeBron James led teams uh, flip a switch and not win. So I'm I'm a little. I'm a little hesitant on flipping the switch and winning. Yeah. Um, you know what? Y'all going to be mad at me. I originally picked Boston <laughs> out of – I originally picked um, uh, the Clippers and the Celtics, right, before the bubble thing started. I picked them during the season. Uh-huh. Um, I just – some of Boston's not big enough to me. They don't have the size to compete with Milwaukee and Toronto. And not even Miami. Miami's tougher than they are right now. They're both well coached, but they're, 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 Miami's tougher. <clears throat> and also, I, I, as far as the Clippers, they're, 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 there's something about that chemistry. I mean, Jared, you mentioned earlier they hadn't really come together as you hoped, but their chemistry is off. I mean, it's like not, it's not every day you got two superstar wing, wing players and Kawhi and Paul George, but yet your closer is Lou Williams. Who hung out at a strip club? Mm-hmm. <laughs> from the that was just for the chicken wings. There you go. I mean, so I told I told Jared the other night on the phone. I ain't mad at Lou Williams. That I'm not excusing his poor decision making. <laughs> I'm not mad, but that's not going to go there. But uh, but the point is, is that I don't like their chemistry. So. Damn it, I hate to be all three of us agreeing because in the listeners out there, this was not planned. I wasn't planning all three of us agreeing <laughs> on our picks to make it the finals. I swear to God that's, that's not the case. I like Toronto. I like Toronto a lot. I mean, they're in the same spot that they were in last season with Kawhi, right? That's the only major mm-hmm. change here and, uh, of course, uh, Danny, uh, Danny Green leaving, but still. Everybody's still there. Nick Nurse is still coaching at his butt off. Siakam is playing out of his mind. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, Kyle Lowry is, is that stud. Uh, you know, 
in, in Fred Blant, Van Fleet is tough. It's tougher. Marcus mm-hmm, Gasol. Mm-hmm. They are so tough defensively. And I didn't even mention Serge Ibaka. I mean, they're so tough defensively. They're so fundamentally sound. They want to show Cat, hey, it wasn't all Kawhi Leonard for that title. It led us to, like, to the NBA title. They're out for something to prove. They're, they match up great with, with, with Milwaukee. They match up even better with Boston. They're the three seed. The only team that I can see getting in, my, in Toronto's way out of the East is Miami because of its toughness. You know, mm-hmm. they, they, they play that Jimmy Butler has bought that grit, his grit to, to, like, to the heat and this rubbed off on him in a huge way. So that's the only team I can see standing in the, in the Raptors' way. But I got the Raptors out of the East. And in the West, damn it, I got to go with the Lakers. Again, I did not plan on <laughs> with both of you guys on your picks. But I like the Lakers' chemistry better. I know that Coach right now since they got the shot to be. But they're just bigger. I mean, who who has the LeBron is one thing. Who has the answer to Anthony Davis? Especially with now him hitting threes and putting the ball on the floor and going around you. Who has the answer for Anthony Davis? The answer is no one. So mm-hmm. I like the <laughs> and the Raptors finals. They have it. All three of us agree that we didn't mean to agree on. <laughs> so, hey man, great minds think alike. There you go. I thought I, I thought and, I was being ballsy putting in the Raptors. You guys just reaffirmed, so I feel I feel good. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the Raptors are playing well. I mean, they're tough. I mean, you can't we can't deny it. Any NBA fan who's worth for them, we we can't deny it. We can't deny it. We can't deny the fact that tough and they're still good. So who's going to be? It's going to be fun out way. Again, happy as hell that the NBA back. I know you guys are happy as hell to have the NBA back. I'm excited to what's going to go down the bubble, and I cannot wait for the playoffs to start. And I know you guys can't either. So thank y'all, man, for tuning for for, for for hitting me up or short notice. And we're going to talk about this NBA thing as long as it's keeping going and keep and staying COVID free. So have so have a good night, fellas, and we'll talk again next week, of course. Sounds good. Thanks, Scott. Thank you. All right, hey, Scott. Thanks All right, for guys. having me on, big guy. You got it, brother. So that's. So those are my guys from the Weekend Adjustments Weekend Sports Talk Show, uh, Jared Singleton and Kevin McCune. Always my those are my go-to NBA guys. They they love the NBA as much as I do, and <laughs> if not more so, it's always good talking shop with those guys. So so we're going to transition to um, like uh, like like collegiate athletics and the, how these kids are being reacted or reacted to bad treatment by the coaching staff and PWIs or big power five schools with the Pac twelve play unity. Now the Big Ten has to play unity decree coming out. Um but let's just bring the guys in. Y'all know him from the yard slash HBC Sports where he wraps up all things HBC Sports, Dwayne Nash, as well as my man Rashad Myers, who's a HBCU well two H well both of them are H HBC HBCUs Savant, try to say that a few times over. So we're shouting to Wayne. How y'all doing tonight? Scott, I am doing fantastic. How about yourself? Good, good, good. What's going on, Rashad? I'm doing well, man. Doing well. How about yourself? Good, good. I'm fair for Scrub. I'm enjoying this NBA. Uh, one thing, before we get to our topics, I want to touch on the NBA right quick and get your guys' opinion on this. One thing I meant to bring up with the fellas, but we ran, I ran out of time in the segment. 
is the players not kneeling throughout the during the protest. Um, basically, under drama that that's been ensued. Uh, when I when when the NBA first announced the social media uh, uh, initiative, the guys who I had on like before y'all, they we all were in agreement about it. We 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 both fit. We're feeling it. We're both feeling the mission. We're both feeling the statements they put out. My biggest fear, I said at the time, and I don't know if I said it to them at the time, but I said it to many people, was that I was afraid that the ones who, for whatever reason, chose not to kneel would be vilified. You know, mm-hmm. kind of like the ones who chose to kneel, like alongside Colin Kaepernick and company, were vilified, were wrongly vilified. So, I mean, if it's in your heart, great. If not, that's okay, too. You know what I'm saying? Not everybody is the monster. Not everyone is both. You know, and that's cool. I don't have a problem with that. Like, uh, actually, I like Myers Leonard's statement better than I did John Denisic. You know, the white dude, the white kid over the black kid. You know, like like Myers saying that he was torn and he agonized. You could tell throughout the interview. You could tell he was he was he was he was, he was uh, agonizing of the decision. Because he, he, he believes, like like Isaac and the rest of us, he believes that black lives do matter. He supports the cause. He has family in the military, close family in the military. So he knows he, he knew, he knows what's what. It's just that the symbolism he was torn between, so he had to talk to his teammates about it. His teammates were cool with whatever decision he had. He wore his Black Lives Matter T-shirt and stood and held and, and, and put his hand on one of his teammates who knelt beside him. You know, showing that unity, I had no problem with Myers. Again, I had no problem with him. I had no problem with Coach Popovich. He's been outspoken against Trump and for social justice from the jump. So he has all the credit in the world with me. I'm not worried about that. Again, I I, I thought that Isaac, I, I respect Isaac, John Isaac's decision, and I'm sad that he tore his knee up. He's out for the rest of the year. But um, I thought his explanation was a little bit clumsy in the sense that he kind of hit behind religion a bit to my taste, like, uh, left my liking. But, Dwayne, let me let me get your thoughts on the young – the Jays chose not to kneel and why – you know, I don't th- – I, th- I think people are making a bigger deal than they, than they should have because, again, I don't want guys who make the decision to stand. I don't want them to be vilified just like I don't want I – didn't, I didn't like Colin Kaepernick being vilified for taking a knee in the first place. So, what are your thoughts on that, Dwayne? And I could get over to Rashad for his take as well. Man, Scott, I completely agree with you, a hundred percent. You know, let me let me let me tell you something. My son said to me five years ago, right? Um, yeah. It, it blew my mind that, that at the age of fifteen, you know, not necessarily having these conversations with him at the time, that he said this to me. Now, at the time, he was living in the Charleston area. And we were both watching yep. the news um, from our separate locations where they were <clears throat> talking. Well, they were actually taking down the Confederate flag from the state house in the state of South Carolina. Right. So we were talking about it, and my son just busts out and goes, you know what, Dad? I'm not paraphrasing him. I'm not necessarily concerned about them taking the flag down. I'm more so mm-hmm. concerned about what they're going to do afterwards. Right. And I was like, wow. You know, it, it, it was impressive to me that he, that he said that, and that kind of holds um, true to this situation too. I'm not necessarily concerned about, you know, the optics of the situation, right? Because of course yep. it's great if you're going to kneel, right? 
But at the same time, this whole cancel culture and being um, destructive towards those that don't, just because they may have a difference of opinion based upon what their political views are, you know, or whatever their views are on this particular social matter, or or even just the fact of kneeling, whatever their views are on that, you know, you you, you want to just go ahead and, and cancel them. That's not a concern to me. It's what they do when they're off the court. You know, how how do they – are they even concerned about necessarily the Black Lives Matter movement? Because just because you kneel doesn't mean that you necessarily are concerned with the movement. You could just be doing because everybody else is doing, and, and, and you're afraid that you may be ostracized because you're not. You know, these guys probably aren't and, and still have the same views, like you said, with um, – Leonard Myers, he does is concerned. So, man, you can miss me with the, the optics of the situation. Show me what you do when you get off the court. If you show me that you care there, I'm more impressed by that by you, Neil. And that, that's well, not revealing anyone that kneels either. So let me go ahead and put that out there, too, because I don't want people to be confused that just because I'm in, I, I understand why people aren't kneeling, that I'm against people kneeling. I need to go ahead and say that too, because there are a lot of people that yeah, will confuse that. Like I, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're not telling you, you're not telling you, you're Jason Whitlock. I, we, we totally get that. Um, no. <laughs> no. I, I noticed a little blow. I'm, um, but yeah. But I mean, deservedly so. I mean, yeah. But my, my thing has always been this, man. If it ain't in you, it ain't in you. Don't fake the funk. I, I, I respect these young men who actually took the – and I'm glad they make an explanation, even even if we don't necessarily agree with all of it. I'm glad that they, they, they all said black lives do matter. They believe that – both of those young men said that they believe black lives matter. And they just had their own reasoning, their own opinion, and that's fine. I'm just happy. I'm just glad to say that they understand the gravity of the situation, that they both said you could do more off the court. And I agree with that because, listen to your point, and I said the same thing about the NFL when they tried to when they made it after they're going to do the let their voice and sing, the, doing week one of the game. Okay, that's all great and all, but what is that? What, what is that? Would that get us more minority hiring in the front office? Would that get us more minority hiring and coaching? Would it get us more minority ownership? Would it get more? Would it, would, would it eliminate qualified uh, immunity? Would it, would it get us closer to education and justice reform? You know, other than that, it's just empty, bunch of empty gestures. So, again, I'm happy to see the NBA being supportive, being woke, if you will. I love the commissioner, Adam, Adam, Adam Silver. He's the best commissioner in sports, in my opinion, how he's handling the whole COVID thing and the whole social justice stuff. And I just, I'm just hoping – that less people would vilify these young men for, you know, for 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 standing. They, even though they have great explanations, but for choosing the stand if it's not in them to kneel, just like I did not like Colin Kaepernick being vilified when he took a knee. So Rashad, I'm I'm sorry I was I was going off a bit, but 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 what are your thoughts on that before before we get to the meat of the matter? It's quite okay. Uh, it's fine, man. Um, I, I actually agree with both of you. Um, for me, it's more so about what you're going to do after all of this is over. Um, I, first of all, I right. applaud the NBA for giving these guys the platform to be able to, you know, speak up against racial injustice and, and do some of the things that sports leagues 
haven't done in the past, so to speak. Um, and, of course, you know, there's heightened awareness with all that's going on, you know, in our world uh, in terms of social justice. But, like you said, it has to be in your heart. Because um, anybody can actually, you know, kneel and not really feel it. But my thing is, there's a bigger picture. What are you going to do when all of this kind of blows away a little bit? What, what, what initiatives are you putting in place to, to make sure that, you know, you're, you're speaking up for social justice? For instance, um, and I side more on the side of a guy like LeBron who is using his money to pay for, uh, you know, um, former felons to have the right to vote. We put, you know, more than a, one million former felons in it in a better place where they can vote and, and impact change that way. Um, I like the fact that he's he's putting his money where his mouth is. And we know what he's done with his I Promise School and so many other things. But to me, those are the real differences. You know, guys who actually right. really go out there and, and, and make these things happen. So, you know, I, I think those acts are good. You know, kneeling is good and, you know, all of the unity is good. But I, I really want to see things be put in place to where we can see change years from now, five years from now, ten years from now, you know, the impact of that change. Well said, fellas, both of you. Well, well said. Um, let's keep it moving. Uh, one, one last thing about the NBA. I, I, we gave our picks. I gave my picks with the fellas before y'all. We both think we're, all three of us somehow <laughs> said we got the Lakers and the Raptors in the finals. So, Rashad, what say you and then the way you can follow up on, for, as far as your picks? Yeah, the, the Lakers are looking pretty strong. Um, they just secured the number one seed in the West, um, but I, I wouldn't rule out those Clippers as well. I think with the Clippers getting all of their pieces back, they have a number of guys who are who are uh, gone. Uh, Montrez Harrell, um, you know, a couple other guys. I think that are key pieces in their rotation to help them. Uh, I think the Clippers would have a lot to say, you know, come the playoff time. I know there's a push right now for seeding, but um, I, I like either the Lakers or the Clippers coming out of the, the West. And then I'm a Boston fan. You know, I, I love my Celtics. Um, we're doing okay right now. Um, and there's no bias here, but uh, I just, I don't know. Milwaukee's strong. Um, and, and Toronto, I think everybody's sleeping on Toronto. I think Nick Nurse has done a good job holding them together, and they actually playing really well to say, you know, they lost Kawhi, and, you know, people weren't really expecting a lot from them. So um, I'd say the Clippers, and then I'd say the Clippers out of the West, and I got to go with my Celtics out of the East, even though I'm kind of a little little afraid of uh, Milwaukee and and, um, Toronto. (laughs) Yeah. So what say you, Dwayne? Well, first and foremost, I'm still shocked that as we speak, as of right now, even though they're 0-5 during the restart, that my Wizards, who are 24-44, are somehow still in the playoff hunt. I'm not understanding that at all, but I digress. You know, hopefully they're put out of their misery with um, a couple of wins by Brooklyn and Orlando tonight, but as of right now, they're both down. Um, But to answer your question, um, I don't want to cheat off your paper, but that's exactly what I was thinking when, when you guys were talking. Um, I understand that the Lakers, you know, they may have looked a little sluggish in the last couple of games, but I think that's a red herring. Um, I truly believe that uh, LeBron is in the process of right now of knowing that at right now, that at worst, 
they, they could, they could, well, they could have been a two seed, but I think right now they're in the, the, the driver's seat of just going ahead and locking up the number one seed. Um, and I think he's just in the process right now trying to figure out the, um, the new veterans that came in uh, during the restart to figure out how they play and how these guys play in this type of situation. And um, we'll probably end up just turning it on come playoff time because, of course, right now we don't have to worry about necessarily home court advantage. It's just more so a situation of matchups. And as of right now, it seems like they will be having favorable matchups leading up till about the um, the Western Conference Finals. And I truly believe if everything is clicking, they can avoid um, any illness. Um, that they should be fine making it to the uh, to the NBA Finals. And I think that, um, like I said before, uh, keeping off your papers, I think that they will be meeting the Toronto Raptors. Um, that's not necessarily saying anything uh, completely negative about the Milwaukee Bucks. I'm just uh, leery of them because I haven't seen them do it yet. Um, right. And we, we only have seen Toronto do it um, in a year. The thing is, you know, with Kawhi, they really need a Kawhi to get over that LeBron hump. But remember, LeBron left last year. Um, even though they did squeak one out against uh, Philly in the semis, I think that confidence of being able to get over that hump of, of not making it to the, the conference finals is now off their back. And now, of course, the talk of Kawhi not being there has is, is now been the battery in their back this entire season. And I think they're looking to right. prove the naysayers wrong because of that. Um, but you said Nick Nurse has looked phenomenal. Um, Pascal Siakam, phenomenal. I don't know if I'm in the boat with Kendrick Perkins thinking he's top ten in the league right now, but he's been balling. Uh, Van Fleet, uh, 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 God, um, Kyle, uh, uh, God, I'm, man, I'm slipping on the name right now. Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, he's been looking phenomenal. Um, in the past couple of games, and then they also had that depth. And also, like I said before, they had that experience, well, especially with a lot of the young guys that they have on their roster of making um, uh, uh, making it to and winning an NBA final. So that's why I have the, both of those teams um, being my finals as of right now. But, you know, top four in the East is, is, is pretty stacked with the Bucks and the, um, the Celtics and the, uh, 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 the, the Heat as well. So all it takes is one wrong slip from any of those teams for any of those four to make it. And, yes, the Clippers look good. Rockets have looked good, even though there have been periods where they haven't played defense and not, so they've been playing ebb and flow, basically, depending upon who their opponents are. And I still like Denver and Utah, too, because they've got a lot of shooters out there. So even though anything can happen, of course, if anyone makes a mistake, but I'm still going with my two picks of Toronto and L.A. That's pretty much three out of the four. <laughs> nice. Uh, <laughs> I should say actually uh, four out of five. Um, so that's cool. But um, either way, I'm glad to have the NBA back. I'm I'm happy as hell to have the NBA back. I'm sure both of y'all are happy to have the NBA back. So yeah, that's yeah, cool. Definitely. So moving from what makes us happy to what makes us a little bit more uncomfortable. Going back to the players. <laughs> With their demands, that thing with Pac-12 unity, the play unity, the Big Ten now has the play unity thing going on as well. And I don't know if you guys have a chance to uh, <clears throat> to, to 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 read the Players Tribune what they had um, with, with the with the Pac-12 folks 
had going on there. But if they have a list of demands that they have, I'm going to see if I could. Now, I'm, I'm looking at them now, Big Big Ten United. I think it's similar to the Pac-12 United. So it's about the players of Big Ten. Yeah. Um, mm. So yeah, you have it. So this is coming out. This is yeah, this is coming out. So basically, I'm gonna read just a few things. The Big Ten Unity proposal. They're all similar to the Pac-12 Unity proposal as well. They want to protect the well-being of all athletes. They want prevention and safety protocols improvement. Adherence. That means adherence to the to the World Health Organization and CDC guidance for sporting events and compliance with all federal, state, and local state statutes and regulations. Um, oversight and transparency, which is a third party approved by players to administer COVID testing and enforce all COVID-19 health and safety standards, uh, testing and contact tracing and related procedures, player assurances, including whistleblower protections for athletics personnel and college athletes reporting a suspected violation, uh, hazard-related economic support um, among those. And the PAC-12 had those at some had sim- similar to these, as I mentioned earlier, but they also touch upon racial discrimination and mm-hmm. assurance that no college athlete scholarship, no matter what the sport, gets cut in wake of like uh, of, of COVID right now. Because I know that Stanford <clears throat> cut back like like eliminated like I don't know how many sports programs that they have. But that's Stanford with a huge ass of doubt. I think it was twelve. So what was that? I think it was 12. I think that number was 12, 12 sports that they originally cut. Yeah, they they, yeah. they cut back a lot to your point, Rashad. You're right about that. So, couple of that guys with the, I, what happened, was happening at the University of Iowa, the poor mistreatment of black players, insensitive, insensitive like, actions that the coach, the head coach himself, not, not that he's directly involved in all of them per se, but he hasn't done much about it to stop it. That makes any sense. As well as Gary Passon. I don't know if you guys heard of Gary about Gary Passon. He's head coach at TCU. He was, he, he was admonishing the player to not use the N-word. He actually mm. used the N-word. <laughs> and, wow. and admonishing the player. You know, I don't know right. if you heard about that, but it's, it's out there. So it's wow. worth saying for Patterson to admit to admonish a young kid, the young man, about not saying that word in the locker room and in, in the meeting room, that's one thing. But don't repeat the N word while admonishing them. That's like just like me when my ten year old son says a bad word, I don't repeat the word that he said. <laughs> that, that should be to understand, right. right? I mean, I don't know Rashad if you have kids, but if you have a daughter and if she was you call her saying the B word Guess what? You're not going to repeat the B word back to her. <laughs> when am I? Right. It defeats the whole purpose you know of your, your lesson in teaching that, yes. And I, I have yeah. a son. So, he, he's, he's eight, and I, I teach him some, a lot of those same lessons, but I have to make sure that I, like you said, don't use that same verbiage. I want to teach the lesson, but, you know, not use it because it defeats the whole purpose of me giving him that lesson of why he shouldn't. So, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but with all that being said, guys, I think it's time for college players, black college players, to start coming back home. Start coming back home to HBCUs. Because, and we'll talk about, we'll talk about, we're going to go on more about this because I, about another podcast. 
that discussed this, but I'm going to get your guys' opinion first before I talk about another podcast I heard this on, the I Am Athlete podcast. But yes, I think it's time, Dwayne, that it's time for these young men to come back to HBCUs. We've seen it with, um, with, 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 with in basketball. I forget the kids' names who committed to Howard. Um, yeah, Thomas' brother, and 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 I think we'll see with Mikey Williams. And mm-hmm. it said that Bronny James and Dwayne Wade's son Zion, uh, Zion another Zion, uh, no Zaire, Zaire, not Zion, Zaire. Zaire. Yeah, said have HBCUs on their list. So of colleges, I think Central. Being being the HBCU, one of the HBCUs. But anyway, Dwayne, what are your thoughts on all this crap going on with with black college athletes in the wake of this racial awakening that's happened that's been happening since George Floyd's murder? You know, I've said it on the show before. Go where you feel comfortable. If you feel uncomfortable where you currently are, it's time for you to make a change because your well-being um, is highly important. One of the things that they did talk about, and I've talked about actually, actually several articles I've seen recently, and I've, I've had this in discussion. Um, it's it's difficult when a student has to make a decision between uh, money and the movement, and right. I'm like, it, it's, that even necessarily shouldn't be the discussion. The discussion should be where you feel most comfortable going. You know, because first and foremost. And in, 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 in the words student-athlete, the first word is student. So you're a student first, right? right? Even though we understand that the whole student-athlete thing is a sham, especially in larger institutions, you know, with the amount of time that you're away from your institutions and the a lot of excuses that a lot of these uh, student-athletes get from the amount of time that they uh, are able to spend away from their classroom <coughs> time. But that's another discussion for another time. You're still a student. So your education should, should, should come first. And your educational experience should come first. So that also includes everything that happens outside of the classroom, so everything that happens on campus, your interactions with your professor, your interactions with faculty and staff, your interactions with other students. And being that you're a student athlete, your interactions with your coaches, being the head coach, position coach, trainers, whomever. Making sure that that entire – and also the community around the university – making sure all of that is as comfortable for you as possible. And if anything within any of that causes any discomfort to you, you might want to think about leaving. Now, if you want to choose to go to an HBCU, I highly condone it, especially if you're a person of color, um, because even though there's some other things that you're you're going to have to deal with in, in, in terms of, of course, the finances are not going to be the same, um, with HBCUs versus Power Five, and then let me tell you this as well: situations aren't going to be the same from any school outside of Power Five versus the Power Five. So right. let's take that into consideration right. as well. You know, the, I, I hate it when people just bash HBCUs. Oh my God, HBCUs don't got no money. HBCUs ain't got no money. Man, listen, if you're outside of the of the Power Five, you ain't got no money either. Put it, take this into perspective. College sports generates $12 billion annually. The Power Five by themselves generates a third by themselves. Mm-hmm. They generate yep. over $4 billion by themselves. So, yeah, everybody else, you know, 
Some schools got a little bit more money than others, but they ain't got power five money, so stop tripping. So, yeah, like I said before, man, just, just go wherever you feel comfortable. Be it an HBCU, be it a D1 HBCU, a D2, a state school, private school, black school, white school, go where you feel comfortable. You should not allow this type of abuse from anybody on any level to affect how you spend your collegiate years. And I understand that a lot of these kids see this as a ways to a mean, you know, especially as it pertains to getting to a professional level as an athlete. But, man, you shouldn't have to go through certain things in order to do so. Well said. How about you, um, God? Yeah, my whole take on it is, you know, go where your value is and go where your value is not limited to your ability to entertain. And I've always felt that way about it because in many ways they want, and when I say they, um, I'm talking about, you know, dealing schools, a lot of the PWIs, they, they value our kids for what they can do to help them win, but they might not value our kids for who they are and, you know, who they who they are as young men and young women, and that's why I say I, I, people argue PWI versus HBCU, you know, which one should I go to? And I always advocate for kids getting an education regardless of which one it is, especially free education. You can't beat that. But, again, go right. where your value and where people really, really care about you as a student athlete. And I like the point that was said earlier. You're a student first. So your your first job is to, to get an education. And athletics comes after that. Value, you know, go where people value your ability to, to, to learn and think. And then whatever you bring to the table in terms of your athletics that, that, that adds to it, you know, let it be that. But um, it, there's just this, this ongoing debate, you know, featuring the, the movement and the culture versus the money and the resources. You know, they look at black schools, they're, they're, you know, they're looking at, okay, what, what can I do or how can I add to the culture? Um, black athletes, we are the culture. You know, and if we continue to perform, they won't have any choice but to pay attention. They won't have any choice but to follow us. It's gonna, the thing is, though, it's, it's going to take more than just one or two athletes. It's, it's going to take, you know, a lot of them coming together. And you see, you know, that trend starting to, to kind of unfold, but it's going to take a lot of, of, of athletes, you know, really, you know, going to HBCUs and, and kind of forcing the issue. And I hate to use that word force, but you know it's 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 become more and more popularized. But you have some kids who will choose. Okay, well, I'll I, I elect to go to a PWI because of the money and the resources, and that's all fine and dandy. But again, my my yep. thing is, you know, if you have the talent, people are gonna come, and the pros will find you. You know, go where you value, go where you respect, and go where they value you as a student first. In an athlete, and you know, I feel like everything else will take care of itself. But as an HBCU graduate, of course, I advocate for more um, African American students to go to HBCUs because um, it used to be, you know, back in the day, you know, the top tier black athletes went to HBCUs, and then with the integration, right. that kind of changed because you know, you know, I saw that hey, you know, we have some some black kids that can play, and if we want to win, we, we might need to let them in our schools, and so. With resources, that kind of, you know, change the game. But I, I hope it comes back because we have a lot of black, you know, great black um, institutes, and I feel like we, we shouldn't be looked at as a second option, you know. Well, I don't know if you guys 
<clears throat> heard about this podcast. Um, it's called I Am Athlete. It's with Brandon Marshall, uh, uh, Crowder. I forget his first name. He's going to be mad at me. Um, also, uh, Fred Taylor. Channing and, Crowder. Um, what, what was that? Channing Crowder. Channing Crowder, of course. Channing Crowder, of course. Right, right. I almost said Jameson Crowder, but he played for the Redskins. Uh, Channing Crowder mm-hmm. and um, Reggie Wayne. So they had an intense discussion. It wasn't really an argument as it was discussion, believe it or not, because they both all agreed on the same thing. It's just that as an older, Channing, Channing's point, he was arguing with a, a or debating with a young lady who works for the NFL. Her name is Esther. I forget her last name. She works in the NFL in a big capacity. But she's a Hampton grad. Of course, Crowder went to Florida, as did Fred Taylor. And, of course, you know, we all know that uh, Richard Wayne went to the U, Miami. But Essay's point, the, the female's point was, on this discussion was, you know, if, if, if you know, like, if the talent, the, the money's going to follow the talent eventually. If the talent comes back to the HBCUs, the talent, the money's going to fall. Eventually going to fall. Whereas Shannon argued, Argued that while he's, he's really agreeing with it now as a grown man, you asking a 17 year old kid to choose between, you said this earlier, Dwayne, the money or the movement. It's kind of a tough choice for a 17 year old to, to choose between, right? Um, the, like Maker right now, the kid going to Camille to Howard, he's like the scout hand. He's going out there to see how the how fertile the, the, the land is, how. Is there any food around, any provisions for his crew to come with? And so if, there are, if there's any food or there's anything around, he's going to come back and bring the rest of his crew, right? So in this case, when he ball, if and when he balls out at Howard, people, like other cats are going to see that, and they're going to be like, well, shoot, if he, can, if, he, if he can ball out and get a lot of pub at Howard, you know, why not me? Why not like, who says that we can't do the same thing for HBCUs? And so we're seeing a lot of that. We're seeing a lot of that now. Because um, uh, Brandon Marshall, he said, and I can't believe him, I think we're about to see a shift with all that's going on, with a lot of these young people becoming more socially conscious than we were at their age. So um, this remains to be seen. But I will counter Essay's argument and, you know, and Reggie Wayne, by the way, one I said, Reggie Wayne, his dad, his uncle, his relatives, all went to Grandpa. You know, um, Reggie Wayne's from from New Orleans. Almost a lot of his relatives went to Grandpa, but he said in this, in this podcast, he's still upset at Grambling for not recruiting him because he knew that Grambling wouldn't recruit him because if they figured that he wouldn't want to go there. Because of course Reggie Wayne was that talented, and we all saw what happened when we went to went to the U. But Reggie Wayne's point is, he they should have come and hollered at him, like in his words. He says they should come. They should have came at him and tried to recruit him because you never know. That was his point. But he kind of fought uh, Grambling for not um, for not recruiting him. So Dwayne. So um, um, well, I, well before that, I would say that. I, before I message you this, Dwayne, I'll say this. I think my follow-up to the whole conversation is I think that HBCUs should do what the Power Five is doing, not as 
much, not as a bigger scale because of the differences in funds and resources, but they should not rest on their laurels and put money back in their programs. You know, because all these schools, all these, granted, the D1 school, I mean, not D1, but the Power 5 schools, like the Clemson's, the Alabama's, the world, they have more money now because of the of the TV contract, too. You know what I mean? So, you know, remember when that podcast, like we, a few weeks back, we talked about how the SWAC is sitting on top of a, a potential gold mine with the mm-hmm. brands that they have, right? And in your words, Wayne, you said, quote, they know that the people at the SWAC know what the hell they're doing. That was your quote. So yes. they, they're on the something. So you know that they're on the something. So I said to say this. I think that these schools, if they really want to have more of these kids come back home, starting start reinvesting in their facilities. Start updating their facilities. Start start pouring money to their programs. Again, not to the same scale as the Alabamas and the Clemson because they have a far head start. But they at least try. Because we know what's going on at A and T. I mean, they look like UNCG. Hell, they look better than UNCG right now for <laughs> the facilities. I'm being real. The football. I mean, of course, UNCG doesn't have a football field, the football team. But our football field, we got BB and T to invest in us. We got a new workout facility on campus. We got a lot of new buildings on campus. We got new graduate buildings on campus for graduate students. Damn it, we even got a new infirmary. <laughs> so, um, you know, it, 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 I'm just looking for them to work on Corbett Center right now. If they want to work on a basketball arena, we're going. We can write on ticket almost as far as, as far as recruiting. So I think that a lot of these schools should do the same and reinvest in the facilities so that it could be more enticing for these kids who really want to make a statement because, again, as, as, as Rashad said earlier, Dwayne, if you got if you got talent, they'll find you. Scouts will find you. Folks will find you. So, what, what are your thoughts on that? Like, like, like uh, do you believe that um, they should um, reinvest? They be HBC to reinvest their programs to even get more of these kids to come if they really want kids to come back to HBCUs, or is that a pipe dream? Oh no, it's not a pipe dream at, at all. In, in actuality. In a lot of institutions, it is currently a reality. If you look at what's going on at Alabama State, they've been making a lot of um, uh, investments into their, their resources. They have a new stadium. Um, for the A&M, they've already have a quality football stadium, and they've made an investment with their uh, basketball arena. Their basketball <laughs> arena is one of the best of the – well, one of the best in the MEAC, transitioning will one of the, one of the best in the, in the SWAC. Um uh, uh, who else? Um, not Arkansas Pine Bluff. Is it Arkansas Pine Bluff? I'm trying to remember. There's another swag. It's not Arkansas Pine Bluff. Who is Prairie it? View has a very nice facility. Prairie View. That's who it is. Thank you, Rashad. Prairie View has a beautiful facility going on over there. So yeah, yeah. a lot of these HBCUs I, are. I'm, I'm sorry. No, I said I've seen the football field Prairie View. It's beautiful. But, uh, oh but, uh, yeah, boy, most definitely. Most definitely. But see, that's the thing. A lot of these institutions are making that reinvestment. The thing is, what a lot of people are doing, and wrongfully so, you know, is comparing the facilities at HBCUs. But see, first and foremost, a lot of them 
and in the in the key words of Dwayne Wade, he referred to him as dirt. A lot of them aren't dirt, especially on the D1 level. They're a lot better than what people expect them to be, right? They're pretty good right. as it pertains to schools that are outside of the, of, of the Power 5 conference, like I said before. But when you go ahead and, and compare what's going on, say, at an A&T, at Alabama State, even at Kent State, or, or, or any other Mac school, or, or, or maybe another program that is not a Power 5 program, you compare them to what's going on at Alabama, at LSU, at Clemson, at Florida State with their facilities, at Syracuse, at Maryland. It's unfair. It's unfair. Yes, they're both fruit, but one is an apple, the other's a pineapple. There is no comparison. I, I dare you to eat that pineapple straight up without cutting it like you eat an apple. It's not going to happen. They're both fruit, but you can't compare the two. So when you when, when when you do that, yes, it's going to be a huge disparity. But it's not to say that those facilities, that those institutions are bad because they're not horrible. You know, and, and once, these, once these kids get a chance to go there and, and, and tour these facilities, they'll see that they're not that bad. They're just not what's going on at LSU, which is insane. I don't even think there are any pro teams that got facilities like that, what's going on in Alabama, LSU, the SC, uh, Ole Miss, well, whatever's SEC, going on in the right. SEC. It's, it's not going right. on. It's not. So, you know, just make sure to temper your expectations when you make those comparisons. And these kids are starting to do that, and they're starting to see that, A, it's pretty good here. We'll go ahead and make these transitions. But to your point earlier, Scott, don't tell nobody, but yes, A&T is planning to make changes to Corbett Center. Shh. It's a secret. But, <laughs> but, but yeah, that's, well, that's, that's what they're doing. You, you know, you need to hear that. Nobody heard that. that. But, yeah, these schools, <laughs> they know they need to make the, re- the reinvestments, and, they, and they're, some of them have already done so, and they're looking to continue to do so so that they can go ahead and continue to bring in the, the level of talent that they're bringing in. Well, Rashad, do you think is a um, you know do you, do you see a shift in these kids considering uh, H. Morgan? Do these kids considering HBCUs? Because again, I mentioned um, Bernie James earlier, and and Zaire Wade having HBCUs in the top five schools, um, mm-hmm. and, and of course Mikey Williams as well, mm-hmm. um, and a few others come to find out. Do you see a shift coming about here, or, or do you think that there's that there's more work to be done with HBCUs as far as getting their own house in order, houses in order. Yeah, I see a shift um, being on a, albeit on a, a smaller level right now. I just hope that the momentum continues to carry and more uh, of our elite uh, black athletes continue to, to go to, to um, HBCUs. Um, I, I just hope it's not just, you know, a couple players and then it, it, it dies off. Um, I really hope that they kind of take this thing by the horn, so to speak, and really promote positive change. Um, as Wayne was saying, um, it's, it's really a matter of, you know, money and resources. Um, and, and when HBCUs kind of get a bad rep in terms of facilities because they're always being compared to, you know, the Power 5 facilities, like you said. And, and so 
the two, you, you really can't compare the two because the Power Five schools has had such a, a you know a, a bigger start. I mean, they, they've had money from the get go, um, and mainly off of you know the the, the power and the talent off of uh, you know black athletes, and so you know they, they get the big TV right. deal money and that we don't get, and so we can't upgrade our facilities like that. What it really takes is those black uh, alumni who do make it to the league. Who, you know, we have quite a, a few um, alumni who, you know, uh, went to the NFL who are Hall of Famers and, you know, distinguished people from HBCUs. Um, I, think, I think it would take them really giving back and investing back in their, um, in their institutions, which in some of them have, but I want to see more of that. But I, I really think that I, I'm impressed with what um, a handful of HBCUs are doing to upgrade their facilities, and I want to see more. Um, but like I said, if you think about somebody like Phil Knight, who's the uh, co-founder of Nike, he's an Oregon alum. I mean, you think about the money he has to, to, to play with, you know, that's why they were able to attract so many athletes just based off of them having seven or eight different jersey combinations and helmets. You know, kids are attracted to that kind of stuff. Right. And for a while, that's why Oregon was able to get out, you know, <laughs> Right, jerseys and helmets and facilities. The kids see that, and they they want to they want to wear those things. They want to, you know, they 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 want that. And so HBCUs really couldn't compare because it was just a matter of us not having the resources. But I like uh, what I'm seeing now in terms of trying to remedy that remedy that a little bit. And, and I just hope that we can continue to do so. It's going to take contributions from uh, our top guys, and like I said, the senior alumni, those Hall of Famers, those people. Not necessarily even Hall of Famers, but people who are willing to to give back to the cause. But um, I, I do see a shift. I just hope that we are able to sustain that shift and uh, be able to compete at the very least. Um, you know, the Power Five just they just have more resources to play with. But I, I hope our kids can can with them being more socially conscious now can see the difference and know it's not just about you know what gym you're playing at. It's about you know being able to ball out and, and really make a difference. The, 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 the main factor in that is education. Our kids really need the education to be able to think right. outside the box and see things differently. It's, it's bigger than sports and just dribbling a ball or, you know, um, throwing a football or catching a football. It's, they need to be educated so they can really see things differently. Chris Paul actually spoke to that um, recently. He said, you know, he's a Wake Forest alumni. He was saying that um, he just didn't know when he was that age. He just didn't know any better because people he's, he's recently actually done an HBCU um, shoot tour type thing in the bubble where he's, yeah, going, he's trying to bring awareness right uh, yeah he, he just recently did A&T um, and he's trying to bring more awareness to HBCUs by having uh, a pair of shoes designed you know so each game he wears a different pair of shoes for a different um, black school and so he was saying that although he went to Wake Forest he just didn't know any better Back then, and you know, he said that things might have been been different if he could do it again. But he's he's really trying to use his resources now, especially with everything that's going on in our country, socially, to to help kids, uh, to help educate kids so that they can make wiser choices and you know their own choice, but give them options. Yeah, and and, and, and you know, Charles' point real quick. I'm sorry to interrupt, yeah, but to Charles' point real quick. Um. That was one of the things that was discussed in, in the uh, in the podcast and, and also in, in other arenas as well, is when they talk about how the 17-, 18-year-olds are, are forced 
to have to be able to make that decision, like we said before, between um, the money and the movement. Some of these kids are smart enough to to be able to discern between the two, but at the same time, like like oddly enough, these people said, these athletes have said, it shouldn't be in their hands to make that decision. You know who should be able to mm, take control of that a little bit more? These pro athletes. Now, I'm not saying that they're going to always go into their, their pocket in order to, to, to give money in order to make a change. Sometimes there are other ways in which you can do things to raise funds to donate the money to these HBCUs. And that's another conversation for another time. But your actions to help raise funds to better these HBCUs will start to take a decision out of the hands of those student athletes to have to force between money and the movement, where they can just go once again freely to wherever they feel comfortable and don't have to go ahead and rely on the antiquated thought process by a lot of the people who guide them to make them believe that in order for you to go pro, you have to be seen. That's not completely true. Mm-hmm. Right. right. Well, Shannon Sharp proved that. Jerry Rice proved that too. And he is William. Right. Everson Walls, Mel Blunt, I could go on and on and on and on. You don't have to be yeah, and, a big – you just have to be able and, to play. You're right. That's the, and that's the other thing, too. And, and oddly enough, Rashad, you know this name that I'm about to say, Gregory Moore, the uh, commissioner of the SEAC. I actually saw um, a video that he did. I actually posted, posted it on the, uh, the Crown Times page. It was in that um, interview that he was in talking about control. He talks about how – the shift of the black player being drafted out of institutions changed around in the 80s. Well, one of the things that happened around that time is, you know, he brought up an example. So think about the, mm-hmm. the school where the most black athletes came from going into the NFL in 1980. That school was grambling. If you look at the numbers now in terms of who had the most players come out to go to the NFL, that school is, is, is LSU. Both schools are in Louisiana. So, of course, the the, 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 the bevy of talent is there in Louisiana, but there's been a power shift. And that power shift came, like you said, if you look at all the names, that, uh, the players that you named, a lot of them graduated around 86 to before. And oddly enough, mm-hmm. that happened around the time when these Power Five conferences started to generate revenue outside of ticket sales, when they started dealing with these TV deals, and that influx of money came in and helped these schools get the facilities that they currently have. So that's where that shift came in. The thing is, part of, I'm not going to say that HBCUs are going to get the same type of TV deal as the Power 5 schools because it's not the same audience. But I will say this, right, right. they deserve a TV deal, period. The TV deal that they currently have with ESPN is trash. Let me say that again. The TV deal that they currently have with ESPN is trash. <laughs> Everybody else I in collegiate sports – on the D1 level, has a television network with the exception of the MEAC and the SWAT, and that is shameful, and I wonder why. I wonder why they're the only two. I wonder what they have in, in, in common against the other, the other conferences. Right. I'm not going to say, I'm going to let you think about it, though, but we all know the answer to that. And, and, and the thing is this, if you could at least give them the same type, and I understand, and I've said this before, and, and and I know I wrote an article about it where I've also I said that the exposure is not necessary for these kids to be seen, but you know what is necessary? 
that TV money, that TV money, that advertising money that these conferences get. Um, because of the fact that they have their own network, that is important to these conferences. So they can take that money from there, use that as a form of, of, of generating revenue, and help revenue. once again, like you said earlier, Scott, reinvest into their facilities. Yeah. That's all I got to do. It's all about money. I mean, shit that doesn't really, that shouldn't matter, matters to a lot of these kids, like jerseys, facilities. I mean, at Kentucky, uh, for example, uh, I was listening to the Nuckheads podcast on the Players' Tribune where they had on uh, Rex, Rex Chapman. And he was a Louisville. He grew up a Louisville fan. He hated Kentucky mm-hmm. growing up. But when he took a trip to uh, Kentucky, just, just, just for laughs, he noticed things in his words that should not matter, that mattered to him at the time as a young kid. The facility, the Wildcat Lodge, which is, if you, heard, if you know anything about Wildcat Lodge, You'd be like, damn. <laughs> That's just for the basketball players only. Wow. So, so yeah, just to give you an idea, that's that's, I, that, that's what swayed them at the end. So, just think about I that. Again, stuff that just matter. It mattered to it mattered to him at, at the time. Um, but what else was I going to say? Oh yeah, but the thing is, is that you mentioned earlier, Rashad, like the jersey. Like I'm glad that mm-hmm. a lot a lot of the HBCU conferences for years had like Russell Athletic, which is trash. Talk about trash. <laughs> I mean now, right. you know, a lot of these schools have Nike, AAT's a Nike school, uh you mm-hmm. have a lot of uh the Hampton's Under Armour. Uh you got like a, a lot there are a lot of schools that's right the Adidas and Nike schools now. Mm-hmm. And you know, and they have like different jerseys, alternate jerseys, alternate helmets, things like that. You know, it's good that they see these shoe companies reinvesting in these HBCUs, um, which is great. I think you need to see more of it, um, and I think you will see more of it. Um, I, I just think that with exposure comes money, with the talent comes money. And mm-hmm. so, again, you know, all that will flow in once once, once these kids are making the track back to, back, to H, back to HBCUs. And, again, like you said, Dwayne, it doesn't have to be on the level of a power five. No one that's that's just that's just ridiculously impossible and unfair. But least do what AT is doing, Central Central North Carolina Central is doing, uh, where some state is doing. I mean, we mentioned North Carolina schools because yes, I'm biased. Uh, but Prairie J and M, what they're doing, um, you know, I could go on and on. So it's good to see that, and FAMU is doing a great job with their facilities too. By the way, the football field. Um, but I mean, we need to see. We just need. I mean, I just think that the podcast point and the I am athletes podcast point. The talent's going. to – People going to. The money's going to fall to talent. And if you can play, people will find you. So if you want to be in a place where it treats you right, you have to want to be about where a place like Iowa that shits on you, and the head coaches got the head coaches don't can't do don't want to do anything about it. Um. If you want to be like DeAndre Hopkins and uh, what's the name? Ah, uh, God. Deshaun Watson, years later, after leaving the institution, come back to the school with more notoriety, I mind you, and, 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 and request that the school changes its names of the building. Like at Clemson, Clemson, for those yep. you don't know, has founded on a plantation. And I'm going to wrap this up after I yep. say this because uh, I only have a few minutes left. But they'll found a plantation. 
and the name of the guy whose plantation was founded on has a couple has a major building named after him, Calhoun, has a major building mm-hmm. named after him, and he was said known to be a slave holder, holder owner, obviously, but a very very hateful guy towards black people. That's who right. Clemson's land was founded on, Clemson University founded on, and they got a huge, I think, they, I mean, building, and I think a statue named after him. So all that's getting changed. So. Mm-hmm. But with that being said, it's time for these kids to come back home. And I'm glad that I had you guys talk about it. And I think we're going to see a shift. And, you know, who knows? Who the hell knows? But right now, I like to see where the, I like this, where the shift is headed right now. And this amazing scene during this age of racial awakening that's going on in this country right now. That, ooh, someone got posterized in, in the Boston Brooklyn game. Um that um, it'll be on ESPN. Yeah, you saw it too. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like one of those things where it you, calls you to break your train of thought when you see a nasty facial like that. But anyway, point yeah. like long story short, the point is, is I see a shift headed like coming, and it's starting by these young people who are now socially more conscious than they were when we were when we were their age, and I'm glad to see that. Too bad it took a George Floyd murder for that to happen, but I'm glad to say that nonetheless, and I think that bodes well for HBCU. So, thank you, fellas, for joining me on this podcast, man. We're talking about this, we're going to be talking about this some more in the future. But, but thank y'all, I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Thank All you, right, man. take care, fellas. Peace out. That's my guy, Dwayne Nash. Check him out, please, on Yard slash HBCU Sports. Breaths about all things HBCU Sports. That's well Sleazy Radio on Facebook Live every Tuesday night. He had a great show last night. And check out his contributions on HBCU uh, Sports as well as Herosports.com. And thank you to my man, Rashad Myers. In the meantime, I hope you all enjoyed this podcast. I know it's pretty long, pretty deep, pretty ambitious, lots of topics, two major topics. But I hope you all enjoyed it because I know I did. And please check us out on uh, blogtalkradio.com as well as and please subscribe to iTunes as well. Thank you for tuning in to the nice podcast, the Clown Hour, Scott Burke signing off. And please stay inside, wear that mask, wash your hands, and until next time, oh six, peace.